This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, I know y'all want to hear what's happening here in Right From The Deep Land, so here you go. Well, first, of course, thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. Guys, we really couldn't do this without your support. We're so thankful for you. Special thanks to our December Sponsor of the Month, Priscilla Sherrow. Yay, Priscilla. (laughs) She's working on a memoir called Bunked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury. That'll be published by Redemption Press. She's also blogging for TBI slash PTSD community on her website, www.priscillasherrow, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A-S-H-A-R-R-O-W.com. Yay, thank you, Priscilla. And I am excited to be teaching at the West Coast Christian Writers Conference, February 25th through 27th, and that is in 2021, and it'll all be online. You don't have to buy a plane ticket. I will be doing two sessions, podcasting to build your platform, and did God really ask you to write? I'm excited about that. More info at the website, westcoastchristianwriters.com. So check it out. And now... Here's the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Deep with us. We're glad you've joined us in episode 129. That was two episodes ago, an episode called How to Avoid Writer's Burnout Part 1. Well, today is part two. We talked back then mainly about the number one way to avoid burnout, which is stop trying to do too much, do fewer things and do them well, and stop rushing, which is, of course, easier if you do fewer things and if you cultivate gratitude for where you are in your journey right now. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, we encourage you to go back and do that. So today we want to talk more about some tips and applications to help you avoid burnout. So first, let's start with something practical that helps you implement a slower, more relaxed day and a more sustainable lifestyle. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Right. So the idea is simple. Plan white space in your life. This means when you're planning any kind of timetable, you don't put events right on top of each other. Create a margin around every event so that when things run long or go wrong, because guys, you know it's going to, stuff just happens. That way you don't end up overbooked. Right. And you want to think about this on a small scale. So the things that you plan every day, your errands, your writing time, your daily tasks like cooking or whatever, you don't want to cram your daily schedule with one event right on top of another because like, you know, especially in this pandemic, that grocery trip might take longer because your store is out of, you know, toilet paper or whatever you need. And so you (laughs) got to go to three places. You know, these delays then can mean everything gets behind and it's rushed. And by the time you get to your writing time, say if it's later that evening, you're crabby and exhausted. You also want to think about white space on a large scale. The things you plan throughout the year, like your contract deadlines, book launches, major projects in your day job, home renovation projects, or whatever is on that to-do list that you've got professionally. 
All of these types of activities need white space around them. Don't plan one deadline right up against another. I've known writers who've done that for years and years and always end up. It's like the domino effect. One gets delayed, then the next, then the next. And that person just ends up feeling stressed. We don't want to do that. When you rush to meet one deadline after another, that's a recipe for burnout. If it takes you six months to write a book, give yourself seven in case something goes wrong, like you get sick or a relative passes away. You know, even consider scheduling a few days after a book deadline for plain old downtime. (laughs) Guys, give yourselves a break. Nurture your body, soul, and spirit. Take time to get excited about the next book project so you're itching to write it, not forcing yourself to do that. Right. And practically speaking, okay, if you're going to plan white space, there's a really important prerequisite. You have to have a good idea of how long different tasks are going to take you. And the most important thing I can tell you here is don't be a time optimist. Right. You need to be realistic about how long that task is going to take for real, okay? And if you have to, keep a time log. You might be surprised at the difference between how much time you think you're spending on something and how much time you actually are. And you can find apps that you can put on your phone or your computer that can help track these kinds of things. You don't want to just plan that white space around work events, though, okay? It's also, again, simple life tasks like making dinner or running errands. Be as realistic as possible, then add buffer. Now, guys, in doing this, you've probably realized when you plan white space, this is another way to force you to do fewer things. See what we're doing here. See, now, had I been practicing the whole white space idea better than I usually do it, I wouldn't have had so many issues in the last several months when, oh, wildfires took over Oregon and I had to contact my editing clients and tell them things are going to be delayed a few days and they ended up being delayed a few weeks or when my brother unexpectedly died at the beginning of November and I had to contact my editing clients and say, I have to do all this stuff and plan a funeral, so we're going to be delayed. So here I am toward the end of November 2020. I have three editing projects and one mentoring project all bumping right up against each other. And if you think I'm not stressed, you don't know anything. (laughs) I mean, you're wrong. (laughs) Had I had more white space built in, this wouldn't have been an issue. So please, you'll be amazed at how different life feels when you're not rushing from one task to the next. I look forward to feeling that again. It's a stress reducer. Your body doesn't feel like it's in fight or flight mode through one hurried day after another. Your whole schedule isn't going to fall apart if one phone call goes long. And there's another benefit beyond that to white space. It gives you time to transition into the next task you have. Your brain gets a break. And it needs it, guys. Our brains need a break. You can reset and refocus on whoever the next task is rather than feeling like you're just flying headlong through everything. Right. So transition time allows you to implement the next tip we have, and that is be fully present in every task. 
Give it your full attention. That is how our minds work best, especially in difficult tasks where we need self-discipline. Our brains are not built for multitasking with anything, especially that requires concentrated mental effort. I mentioned in part one of this series, I mentioned a book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and it talks a lot about how we cannot do this multitasking. And in fact, I'm going to share this thing as a guerrilla experiment is what they did just to help you see how this multitasking thing doesn't work, okay? So they had these participants see a video where basketball players are playing basketball. There's a team with white uniforms, a team with black uniforms, and the participants are told that they must count the passes that are made by the team in the white uniform, and they have to ignore the passes that the black team uniforms make, okay? And so this counting throughout this video, it is so absorbing that most viewers miss a gorilla visible for nine full <laughs> seconds that walks across the floor, thumps its chest in the middle of the court, yes, really, and then walks off. These people are so consumed with counting passes that they don't see a gorilla. Okay, this is just one experiment to see and help you understand multitasking does not work. You cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. So in doing fewer things, that allows you to do them well. Each one, you can do it well. And that means giving your best effort. And you can't do that without being fully present. I mean, think about it. If you've been able to give your full attention, let's say to your kids or spouse when you're spending time with them, you know you've given them your best. There's that feeling inside of you that confirms, yes, I was here, I was present, and I was fully focused on them. You're giving them you, and there's no better gift than that. And then when you're doing your writing time later, you can be fully present there without feeling guilty like you're a terrible wife or parent for taking time away from others to write. Friends, if you can be fully present, not just in your work, but in your nurturing times too, then you can let yourself relax, which you can do better and better if you know you've planned this time for relaxing. And if you're feeling stressed when you're supposed to be relaxing or nurturing your creativity, that's counterproductive. Right. Now, understanding, we're not saying that you have to go out and schedule every single moment of your day. No, no. I can't live like that. <laughs> but what we are saying is that when you have things that you know you need to do in each of them, be fully present. Right. And another thing that can help you fully engage in each task is to schedule activities for the time of day when your brain and body are most suited for that task. So what time of the day are you most creative? Schedule that writing and brainstorming time for that time. Or what activities drain you? Spread them out. Give yourself time to recharge and try to avoid scheduling, say, a creative task right on top of a draining task. For me, I'll tell you, I always come home from the grocery store in a Bad mood. Maybe it's because I can't find toilet paper. I don't know. But I do. And so here's the thing. I can't schedule creative time after grocery store time. It, it's not going to be conducive for me. So those are the kinds of things you need to strategically think about. Plan what works during different times of the day. Don't, don't do your email when you're most creative, that kind of thing. Think about how energizing or how draining something is, and then plan your time accordingly. And um, I'll tell you another thing that helps me fully engage in my tasks is a timer, okay? Now, some people can't cope with this thought. I see Karen's I'm eyes those, rolling yes. away. But for me, 
I can set that timer and it helps me fully focus on my task without worrying that I'm going to forget something important. For example, when I was in grad school, I had to write an opera and I needed to be fully focused on that task. And my kids were in a Montessori preschool for a couple hours. I'm telling you, I set that alarm because then I could lose myself in whatever composition I was working on and I didn't have to fear that I would forget to pick up my kids. I didn't want to be that mother. So for me, that's what works. Works. And we've talked about fully engaging on a smaller scale by paying attention to what times of the day work best for you for different things, but it also applies on a larger scale. You have to take into consideration the seasons of your life and the ebb and flow of what you're responsible for in those seasons. If your day job is, say, preparing taxes, don't give yourself a book deadline or even a book launch in April because it'll be challenging to fully engage. Or what happens in your life during the holiday seasons? Do you need to back off all other obligations during that time? If you do, that's okay because you need to be fully present and savoring those times. You are not at the end of your life going to think to yourself, dang, if I could have just met one additional deadline. (laughs) What you'll be thinking is, I wish I had spent more time with my family and my kids and savoring those connections. And think about the different kinds of energy required for various aspects of book writing. Planning or outlining is different than the actual writing of the book. Editing is different than revising, and on and on it goes. Look at what's going to be happening in your life as a whole when you're scheduling the starting and finishing points of your book. Respect your rhythms. Respect the ebb and flow of your life and schedule accordingly. Right. So let's move on to the next tip we have for avoiding burnout, and it's related to being fully present. It's this. Reduce worry in every way possible. And what I mean by that really is stop worrying altogether because that's what God calls us to as believers. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. It doesn't say, don't be anxious about most things or don't be very anxious. But I understand that erasing worry from our lives is definitely something that it's a process that we need to continually practice. But here's the trouble with worry. It is not innocuous. Worry is stressful. It saps our mental our emotional and our physical energy sucks it up. And then we can't devote that full energy and our best energy and attention to whatever our task is at hand. What's worse is that all or nearly all of the terrible things we worry about never happen. So you've just wasted your energy on something that isn't even real, something that you're focusing on, and it's never going to take place. That is wasted creative energy. You don't want to do that. As writers, we're far better off focusing on what terrible things can happen to the characters in our novel because we're going to make those terrible things happen and then how they can recover and learn from those things. But friends... Worrying about things that haven't even happened yet, that's borrowing trouble from the future. We've got plenty in the present. It's also a sign that we're not trusting God, that we're holding something so tightly and we're afraid we're going to lose it, or that we want something so much and we're afraid we won't get it. Bottom line, you don't want to face the pain of loss or disappointment. As fallen people in a fallen world, we want to live lives free of heartache and trial, and we want to have everything we think will make us happy. 
We don't want negative experiences. We don't want struggles, but that is not the world we live in, nor is that the world God has called us to live in. His plan is for us to bring our prayers, our petitions and our problems to him and trust him for the answers and then give him the glory as he takes care of us. His plan is also that we will go through hard times. That's what he has promised us, just as he's promised us that he'll go through them with us. Right. And we did a whole episode on worry that was back um, in episode 24. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to dive deeper into those causes and solutions, especially solutions. But the point we want to make here is that by stealing our energy and our thoughts and our focus, worry makes us less effective in everything we do, which means we have to work harder for the same results if we can even get those same results. And that, combined with the added burden of the stress that worry creates, This is another recipe for burnout. All right, our next tip for avoiding burnout is something that also helps us overcome worry. Yay, and that is to cultivate wonder. You know, Merriam-Webster defines wonder as a cause of astonishment or admiration, rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. I'm not even going to edit that sentence, although I really want to. (laughs) Wrapped attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. So why would this help avoid burnout? Well, wonder is pleasant and refreshing. It feeds our minds and hearts with new insight, and that sparks ideas and creative flow. God knows we need wonder in our lives. In Psalm 114, 2 through 4, it says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Amen. We have a God who we can marvel and wonder at all the time. And we have his amazing creation all around us. We just forget to take the time to look, to absorb, and to wonder. Friends, make an effort to marvel, to give time and space in our lives for wonder. Right. That's why, again, we encourage you in part one to make one of those fewer things you do well to be to keep your spiritual life healthy and vibrant. Set aside time specifically just to look at God and all his infiniteness. Read scripture or meditate on just a few words at a time. Like, um, for example, Nahum 1-7, it starts out, the Lord is good. Oh my goodness, just camp there. (laughs) What does it mean to be good? There's no bad, there's no evil, there's no fallenness in God, no lack of care or concern. How does that change our view of him when we're tempted to worry, when we're tempted to think he doesn't see us? Or Psalm 33, 6 says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. Camp there for a while. What kind of a God can speak? Speak things into existence. What kind of power does he have that a word can bring the universe, trillions and trillions of stars and planets and people and animals and trees, all of it into being? And then, and as you're thinking about that creation, get out in God's creation and delight in it. One of the things I love about God's creation is too often, or so often, it shows his sense of humor. The same God that created tigers, which are stunningly beautiful and majestic, created the platypus. You've got to look at those things and recognize God had fun with creation, and he's calling us to do the same. We also need to take time to specifically remember God's past works in our lives. Psalm 77, 11 through 15 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. 
I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people. God is the author of creativity. He's the source of every bit of imagination and insight and creation that we have. You don't just manufacture creativity on your own, guys. It's a gift from him because we're made in his image. So stay connected to that source. And I have to confess here that my timer lately, Uh. I've been having trouble focusing and my timer has come in handy because I'm telling you, I have taken to setting a timer and doing my best during that little time that I set to simply look at God and to simply ponder him and to focus on who he is and how amazing and loving and peaceful. And I can go on and on because he's endless, but It's his creativity, and I want to focus on him. It's his creativity that keeps mine from burning out. Amen. So burnout. Guys, you don't want to deal with it. I know that we all do. I know that it comes to all of us, and we feel like we can't avoid it. But you can. As long as you go back to these things and you do fewer things, you reduce worry, you cultivate wonder, you stay connected to the source of creativity, You can avoid burnout because you're connected to the one who has created you, who knows everything that you need to do and the best ways for you to do it. And he will guide you. He'll give you the insights you need. He'll lead you in the paths you need to go. He's made that promise. He does not want you to be stressed out. He does not want you burned out. What he wants is for you to be focused on him, to savor him, to place your hand in his and enter into creativity with his guidance and his presence. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.